for me, understanding the why or the purpose behind a task greatly influences how I do the task, which is exactly why I've always hated cleaning my room. <laughs> Can anyone relate? I never understood why. My mom and I, we would always fight when we were younger, and she'd say, John, go clean your room. And I'd say, Mom, what's the purpose of cleaning my room? It's just going to get dirty again anyways. And she'd say, John, just go clean your room. And I would, because I have to, of course, but I would do it begrudgingly, angrily. She knows I'm right. She knows I'm right. There's no reason. There's no purpose of cleaning my room. And so one day we had guests coming over, and she says, John, go clean your room. We have guests. And again, I said, Mom, what's the purpose of cleaning my room? They're not going to even come into my room. It's just going to get dirty again anyways. And I thought my mom was going to pull the mom card and say, John, just go clean your room. But today she said something that changed everything. She goes, John? I said, yes, mom. She says, why do you shower if you're just going to get dirty again anyways? Never thought of that before. This was me in like seventh grade and I was reeling. I was like, well, well, because I want to be clean. She says, I want your room to be clean. I was like, well, I don't want to smell. She says, I don't want your room to smell. She goes, John, clean your room. And I walked in shame and embarrassment as I finally began to maybe understand the purpose of cleaning my room. Now, full uh, disclosure, I still don't love cleaning my room as my wife would be the first person to tell you. But I kind of get the reason now. And the purpose now. And so when I do clean my room, which is not that often, I do it like my life depended on it. And I clean every little corner of every little space in our room because my mom had ingrained in me the purpose and the reason of cleaning my room. But oftentimes when we don't know the, how, uh, the, the why or the purpose behind something that we have to do, how we do it, can be filled with frustration, right? Fear, maybe anxiety, complacency. For the past two weeks as a, as a church community, we've been talking about this idea of a clean slate and um, the idea that as we enter into this new season of, of school and of family and of work that we think of ways in which God is trying to do new things. And, and for the first week, Pastor Brian mentioned this idea of clean state within the context of um, school. Last week, he mentioned it within the context of family. And this week, we're gonna be talking about a clean slate within the context of work. And for me, as a son of an immigrant, my, you know, my relationship with work has always been just work hard. And if it's tiring, if it's stressful, if it sucks, work harder. <laughs> and I feel like maybe some of us have that relationship with work as well. Just work hard, work hard. Even if it's difficult, just work hard. If you don't understand it, just work hard. But I wonder if the answer isn't just to work harder. I wonder if the answer is to work with more purpose and to find purpose in the work that we are doing. So I believe that today what God has for us is for us to understand the purpose and the why of the work that we do in our lives. And as we enter into this new season of work that we would discover or maybe rediscover the why and the purpose of the work that we do.
Now, before we go on further, I'd like to introduce myself. As Leah was, Pastor Leah was mentioning, my name is John Kim, and I am the high school pastor here at our Lexington campus. Um, and I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. And I want to give us a, a short time to talk to our neighbor next to us, okay? I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to discuss with someone next to you. When you were 12 years old, okay, what, did, what kind of work did you want to do? When you were 12 years old, what kind of work did you want to do? If you're not 12 yet, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> What kind of work do you want to do right now? <laughs> uh, so why don't you uh, discuss with a neighbor, what kind of work did you want to do when you were 12 years old, okay? I'll give us a couple of seconds to think about it. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, let me, let me reel us back in here. <laughs> so, so typically when we talk about... Um, so typically when we talk about work, we think about it in the context of jobs and occupation, right? So for me, when I was 12, what I wanted to work as was I wanted to become either a Patriots chaplain, that's, that was a dream of mine, or uh, two, when I was 12, I didn't know if this was a thing or not, but I knew I wanted to professionally eat Korean barbecue. That was, I didn't know if that was a job or not, but I wanted to do it professionally. And so when I was younger, that's what I wanted to work as. Um, and I feel like some of us, as you see me kind of here on stage talking about work, I feel like some of us might be feeling, you know, what is this 28-year-old who looks like he could be in high school <laughs> have to tell me about work, about my job? And I agree with you. <laughs> That's actually exactly what I told Pastor Brian when he first asked me to preach this week. <laughs> I was like, Pastor Brian... I don't think I have much to offer people who've been working for years and years. I, the only job I ever had besides being a pastor was working as a landscaper when I was in high school. And I only did it because I was paying $10 an hour, which was a fortune at that time. I was like, what do I have to offer people who've been working for many years? I wanted to say, can I preach about something I do know about? Like the Patriots <laughs> or Korean barbecue? <laughs> But as I was preparing for this message, I realized that work is more than just a nine-to-five job. Actually, the first time work is mentioned in Scripture, it comes from Genesis, in the very beginning, where God tells Adam in Genesis to work the Garden of Eden and keep it. To work the Garden of Eden and keep it. Adam wasn't salaried. He didn't have a cool new espresso machine in his workplace. He didn't get health insurance, although he probably had his best health insurance available because he was with God all the time, right? God, heal me. <laughs> okay. But Adam's work was to keep the Garden of Eden, to work the Garden of Eden and keep it. And so if work can be to take care of a garden that God is pretty much already taking care of, that means each and every one of us have something that we work in and labor in. 
that every single one of us are working and laboring in something every single day. And I believe that God wants us to understand the unique purpose and the unique why of the work that we each labor in every single day. And so, as we enter into a new season of work, we're going to try to answer this question. How do we discover God's purpose in the work that we do? How do we discover God's purpose in the work that we do? Or maybe for some of us, it's you know, rediscovering or finding a new purpose because we already feel like we know our why. But I think we can begin to answer this question by looking at the life of Joseph. And some of us might know the story of Joseph as this story of family tensions. But it's okay if you know or don't know the story because I'm going to ask us to look at the story maybe in a perspective that we have not looked at it before. We're going to look at the story of Joseph from the context of work and labor. And we're going to see how Joseph began to discover God's purpose for the seasons of work that he was in. And so, the f- and I think his story shows that the first step in discovering uh, the purpose of God in our work is by this. The first thing that he shows us is that, is by trusting that God has a purpose for every season of work that we are in. So how do we begin to discover the purpose of God? By first trusting that God has a purpose for every season of work that we are in. So when we look at the story of Joseph, we're going to find out that he has four distinct and unique seasons of work very different one from each other. But we're also going to see that God has a purpose for every single one of those seasons, no matter how different they were. And so the four seasons that he finds himself in is one is laboring at home. Second was laboring as an assistant. Third was laboring in prison. And fourth was laboring as a ruler over Egypt. Four very different seasons of work, but four distinct, unique purposes. So we're going to begin the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 through 2. And it reads, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers. So when we meet Joseph here, he um, is the son of an immigrant, and he's 17 years old, and he's working in the family business of being a shepherd. That was his job. And I felt like I could relate because I'm the son of an immigrant and when I was 17 years old, my dad's a pastor and I always knew that I was going to be a pastor. And I feel like, oh man, Joseph, just like me. But this was probably going to be the job that he was going to do for the rest of his life along with his brothers. This was the job that he was tasked and this work was going to be the work that he probably did for the rest of his life until something very drastic happened, if you know the story. Joseph's older brothers get jealous of um, the favoritism that is being showed by Joseph from his dad. And so they sell him off to the Ishmaelites as they're traveling to Egypt. And so Joseph unexpectedly finds himself in a completely different and new season of work and labor. He starts laboring as an assistant. Genesis 39 says, the Lord was with Joseph So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Why? Because Joseph was sold to Potiphar, who was an Egyptian officer at that time. That's who the Ishmaelites sold Joseph to. And Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. 
Now, Joseph is in a completely new season of work, not a season of work that he wanted to be in, but was thrusted into by his own brothers. And he's working as a personal assistant to Potiphar. And the ESV translates it as overseer. But what a personal assistant is, is he did the housework for Potiphar. That was his job. He would go around and doing the administrative household work for Potiphar. Out of nowhere, he was a shepherd. And boom, new season of work. But we're going to find that God was doing something in this season as well. But again, Joseph gets thrusted into a completely different season of work when Potiphar's wife lies to Potiphar saying that Joseph tried to lie with me. And so Potiphar gets Joseph thrown into prison. And so the third season of labor that Joseph finds himself in is when he's laboring in prison. Genesis 39 says, So he took Joseph and threw him into prison, where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. So Joseph's now in prison, accused of something that he did not do. Abandoned by his own family, abandoned by his old employers. In a completely different season of labor. He was going to be a shepherd. But now he's in prison. Laboring in prison. But God had a purpose in there too. Fourth, after, um, Joseph, after Joseph interprets some dreams, the Pharaoh finds out that he has the ability to do this. So he calls him up because he has a dream that he needs to have interpreted. And Joseph is successful. And so Pharaoh is pleased with this. And so he gives Joseph an epic promotion. <laughs> He promotes him as the ruler over Egypt. In Genesis 39, it says this. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. What an epic promotion, huh? <laughs> I'd like one of those promotions, please. But in a span of 13 years, so from the age of 17 to 30, he was in four completely different, unique and sometimes uncomfortable seasons of work, but God was doing something in each and every one of those seasons. You know, as we can see from Joseph's story, work is more than just a nine-to-five job. Like, to labor and to work in something is the labor of being a stay-at-home parent. That's the labor in taking care of their children. Labor can also mean people who are laboring through unemployment, seasons of unemployment. Labor can, mean be, labor can mean doing things that you never thought you would be doing and being confused as to why you're doing it. Labor can mean being a student. Labor can mean being a child. There's different seasons of labor. Labor can also mean this. This is a guy, 16 years old. Anyone know this guy? Raise your hand if you do, okay. This guy just won um, $3 million playing video games, okay? He won a video game tournament. And now some of the parents here are like, that's not, that's not work. That's not a job. And I'm pretty sure that's what his parents said too. 
until he brought home $3 million. And then they were like, yeah, <laughs> do it again, do it again. <laughs> but that's just all to say that we all work and labor in something, each and every one of us, young and old, there's, uh, there's things that we all labor in. And sometimes we might not know the purpose of that. Sometimes we might not realize what God is doing in the midst of that season of labor. But do we trust that God is doing something? You know, this might sound uh, uh, silly, but I was actually listening to an interview recently where um, a time management expert, I'm not sure what that means, okay? (laughs) But apparently that's a title. A time management expert says, One of the first steps to to better managing your time is by understanding that you have time. So before you go do anything with your time, you first have to understand that you do have time, that you have 168 hours in a week, and that you understand that uh, that you have time to be able to do things. And I think similarly, what God is saying here is, for you to find and discover the purpose of your work in this new season, you need to understand that there is a purpose. Because I think some of us here might be thinking that my work, what I'm doing, does it really have meaning? Is what I'm doing really meaningful? Is there purpose in what I'm doing? I'm unemployed right now. Is there meaning in that? I'm just a student. Is there meaning in that? I'm doing a job that I don't enjoy. I'm doing something that I never thought I would be doing. Is there a purpose and reason in that? And Joseph's story says there is. But to discover that purpose of the unique season of labor that we're in, we need to trust that God indeed has a purpose for us. Amen. And I think especially we feel like there's no purpose when we're doing things that are really difficult or things that maybe we didn't want to do. But I love here um, in our passages today, there's two seasons of uh, Joseph, Joseph's life and in the midst of the, uh, his work that says the Lord was with Joseph. And those two seasons were when uh, Joseph was working as an assistant to Potiphar and when Joseph was working and laboring in prison. Like it's this a reminder that, hey, in the midst of the most difficult things, God is with us. In the midst of things that Joseph didn't want to do, hey, God is with you, Joseph. Trust that there is purpose in the season of work that you are in. But how do we know that Joseph trusted that God had a purpose for his seasons of work? How do we know that Joseph wasn't like, ah, God, what are you doing? Well, first of all, there's no evidence of that in the scriptures. Joseph doesn't really complain. But Joseph, we also know Joseph trusted that there was a purpose for seasons of work because at the very end of the story of Joseph, as you might recall, Joseph and his brothers, they reunite, but in, in a very unexpected way. Joseph is now the ruler over Egypt, and he's in charge of who to give uh, a food to because everyone is going through a severe famine. And so his brothers go to Joseph, not knowing that he's the ruler, but going to Egypt because they needed food for their family. And so they see each other and they encounter each other. And can you imagine how bitter and angry Joseph could have been? Like, I get angry at my brother for the smallest things. If he doesn't pay for his share of his Netflix account, I get mad at him. (laughs) Let alone what Joseph's brothers did to Joseph. But what does Joseph say to his brothers once they meet? 
one of my favorite verses in scripture. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph trusted that in the midst of each and every one of his seasons, even the difficult ones, that God was doing something powerful. That although you meant it for evil, God meant it for good to bring about the purpose, to bring about that many people should be kept alive. That's what God was doing. And in each and every one of those seasons, God was doing something a little different in preparing Joseph. In the first uh, season of working at home, he was learning to help his family and his brothers called him a dreamer. And as this young 17-year-old, he was dreaming. When he was um, assistant to Potiphar, he was given authority over small things. And maybe he was learning to have authority over small things so that he would have authority over big things later. And maybe when Joseph was in prison, he was learning to care for people that were in prison for caring for people that were in the lowest of society. And maybe when Joseph was a ruler, he was learning to be able to give in abundance that he had. Every season, different, very different. Some difficult, some joyful. But in every one, Joseph trusted that there was something God was doing. Do we trust that God is doing something in our season of labor? Do we have faith? Now, so how do we discover God's purpose for us? I mentioned that we first have to trust that God has a purpose for every season of work that we are doing. But I think the second way we discover what God's purpose for us is in this season of work is to yield to the heart of God. And what do I mean by yielding to the heart of God? What does it mean to yield? I learned what it meant to yield in a very uh, dramatic fashion when I was younger. When I was younger, I was um, in the car next to someone who I thought was a good driver. Um, turns out she wasn't, <laughs> but we were driving and on 128 um, near the North Shore, there's this intersection where you, uh, on the highway where you have to merge on to this uh, two-lane highway. And there's, it's just one of the hardest places to merge into, especially if you're not good at driving or if you're new to driving. And even if you're good at driving, it's hard to merge into because cars are going 40, 50, 60 miles per hour and you have to kind of just merge your way in. But there's this yield sign right there, which I thought meant you were supposed to slow down a little bit. But I was in the car next to my friend and she started driving and as we saw the yield sign and as I saw cars speeding past on the highway, she went faster. <laughs> and she merged onto this highway going full speed. And all the cars are like, bah, bah, ha, ha. And I was like, hey, doesn't yield mean you need to slow down? And she says, no, that's just a suggestion. <laughs> like, what? I'm like, then why is everyone mad at you? She's like, they're not. They're saying hi. I was like, what? what? <laughs> but to yield isn't to go at full speed, full blast. Yield means to give way. Yield means to give preference. Yield means to give way to the heart 
of God. God's heart. That although we have all these things that we want to do and want to accomplish in our lives, in our work, and as students, we want to do this, and as uh, we, there's all these things we want to accomplish, but to find the purpose of the work that we are in, it's important to yield to God's heart and what's on God's heart. Not that what our heart, uh, what we want doesn't matter, but to give way to the heart of God. And so what is the heart of God? The heart of God is displayed when he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive. God has two things on his heart. God himself and people. That's what's on his heart. Micah chapter six, verse eight says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. To yield to the heart of God in our workplaces is to think of what are ways in which we can glorify God and ways in which we can love others in humility, in kindness. And so I want us to maybe do an exercise here as we're sitting, and maybe this is something that you can do at home later. But I think this is a helpful way for us to discover God's purpose for us in this season of work. First is to identify which season of work you are in. Because I think that's important. Joseph had four different seasons of work. They were not all the same. And so what is the season of work that God has called you into this year? Or in this moment? Like, think through, what am I, am I, is this season a season of which I'm in retirement? That's a season of labor. Is this a season in which I'm to care for my, um, for my parents? Is this a season in which I'm a college student? Is this a season in which I'm a roommate? Is this a season, what are the different types of labors that you, that you do? And we need to identify which season of work you're in. And so, the second thing is, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you guys to make a list. And as you make a list, I stole this idea from a a commencement address that I uh, saw online. So this is not my idea. But um, on the left side, write down all the things that you labor in throughout the week. Like every little thing that you have to labor in. Studying this, whatever it might be. Being a father, mother, husband, whatever it is that you have to labor in throughout the week. And on the right side, maybe think about how you can use the things on the left side all the things that you wrote down to glorify God and to love others. And maybe as we begin to do that, we can discover God's purpose for us in this season of work. Now, I think a lot of times people assume that pastors understand their why. Because why? We work at the church, and we need Jesus, and you know, of course you know your why. But I'd be the first to admit that I lose sight of my why all the time. It's hard. Like, it's hard to think about the why and to be tethered to the why. It's hard to be tethered to the purpose of God and the work that we do. It is not easy. I'm not saying this is easy. You know, for me, uh, even preparing this message, like, the temptation always is to care more about how I look 
what people say to me after as we go into the hallway. For people to say, good job, John, versus, man, how beautiful is our God. And the temptation a lot of times as pastors, and even for me doing years of ministry, like in the beginning when I started ministry, I was like, Jesus! And I want to, you know, like break every chain. You know? that, that was my heart. <laughs> you want Jesus here? <laughs> that, that, was, that was my heart. But after many years of ministry and of work and laboring, man, I, lost, I lose sight of my wife constantly. And I lose sight of God's heart. And instead of maybe caring for the souls and the people that God has placed me with, I care more about my appearance. I care more about what people say about me. Because sometimes I lose sight of my why. And the work that God has called me into. And I know that there are some of us going through really difficult seasons of labor. Maybe seasons of labor that you just can't comprehend or understand. Like, God, why am I here? What is my purpose? But can you trust that God has a purpose for this season of work that you are in? That as we begin to yield to the heart of God, as we begin to trust that God indeed has a purpose for us, that we would discover the purpose that God has for us in this season of labor. Now, as we finish our series on uh, Clean Slate, this is the last week of our series, as Pastor Leo was mentioning. Um, I want to take some time to maybe just sit and reflect and pray before we go into this new season of work and, and school and family life. And as we even hear this message about Joseph, I think the tendency even for me is, I want to be like Joseph. I want to know my why, and I want to know my purpose, and I want to be great like Joseph, and I'm going to become the ruler over Egypt. <laughs> now that's like, that's my heart. But oftentimes, I feel myself not being like Joseph, but being like one of the brothers. And do you ever feel like that? When you're entering this new season, you're just broken. <laughs> You're like, I am a mess. I, what? I, I messed up. I screwed up. I don't even know what I did. Like, man, God, I am a mess. And although we want to be like Joseph, oftentimes, we can feel like the brothers. But the beautiful thing about this story, and the beautiful thing about the story of Joseph, is that Joseph, the way that he forgives his brothers and forgets their sins is the same way in God forgives us and forgets our sins. Like that's what we have. Like that's what clean slate means. God says, I will clean your sins, your filthiness, that whatever baggage you come with me before, I will wipe it white as snow. And maybe that's the word that some of us have to hear today as we go into a new season of work. One of my favorite passages 
And scripture comes from Lamentations chapter three and says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is not tired of giving you a clean slate. He's not weary. He's not saying, again? You want me to wipe again? No, every morning there is new mercies for us. Every morning when we wake up, God says, clean slate for you. Every morning that we're awake, he says, I forgive you. And so if we're entering into this season of work and of school and of family thinking that, man, I don't have it put together. I can barely think of, 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 of any reason why I should know my why. I'm still far away. No, God says, this is what clean sleep means. Is that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In a second, I'm going to be putting up the lyrics for a song called New Wine by Hillsong. And these lyrics have really been on my heart ever since uh, Pastor Lee actually shared this song with us in uh, a staff devo that we did. And I love this song because it captures really my heart and what I feel like God's been placing on my heart for us today. Where it's trusting in God in new seasons. That he is doing something in us. That even though it might be difficult, even though there might be pain, even though we might not understand, like Joseph went through seasons that were unexpected of work, that we trust and yield to the heart of God. And so I'm going to read these lyrics first, first, and then I'm going to give us a minute to maybe pray into this new year, saying, God, like I come before you, maybe as these brothers did, or God, I come before you, you know, maybe actually knowing my why, but I feel like, God, you're telling me a new why in the work that I'm doing. Giving me a new purpose in the work that I'm doing. A re-energized purpose, revitalized focus. And so I'm going to ask us to kind of just pray whatever thoughts come onto your heart in this new season as I read these words, and I'm going to give us a minute to reflect on it. It says this, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. So I yield to you. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering and make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Because where there is new wine, there is new power. There is new freedom. And the kingdom is here. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. I'm going to have these slides play for the next minute. And why don't you take a minute to just pray and reflect on this upcoming year of work, of school, of of family, whatever it might be. And just ask God, God, would you help me discover your purpose for me this year? Or would you help me to be reminded that you have new mercies for me this year? And would you help me to yield to your heart? And so I'm going to just give us a minute to reflect on that.
Father, help us to trust that there is a purpose in this season of work. Help us to yield to your heart. Help us to understand your new mercy for us. And now as we take communion, would we be reminded of that grace that you have shown us on the cross? We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.